Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities. And as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Welcome, everybody. Welcome and good morning. A very good morning to all of you. My name is Mona Muguma Sebuliba, and I'm joined by Pastor Chris Kawesa. And together we're privileged and happy to be hosting Mrs. Lydia Nakayenze Schubert. Very, very warm welcome to Lydia. And if you're joining us online and from our various locations, hosting centers, please go ahead and send the link, share the link with your friends and family because today is going to be a very exciting uh, engagement and we're going to learn quite a bit. So please, please share the link. Many of you might have been expecting Mr. Grace Minura and Pastor uh, Beatrice Biemanzi. I'm sure you can spot the difference by now. That it is, uh, we are, we're quite, quite different. Pastor B3 and Director Grace, we send you our greetings and I'm sure there's a lot of love and missing you and they'll be with us uh, next week. So please, please, uh, everybody, go ahead and share that link. Lydia, you're very, very welcome to the segment this morning. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Now, it all starts with a culture which I'm sure you're very familiar with. Uh, we send greetings. We kutumira here at uh, Business Garage, so please go ahead and share your greetings. I'll, I'll share some greetings. Some, the first one, I'll do it in German, because my wow. husband and daughter are tuned in now from Leipzig at home. Guten Morgen daheim. Schöne Grüße aus Kampala. And then also to the rest of my Ugandan family, the locals. The locals. <laughs> <laughs> well, people of Kopango, good morning. Yeah, my dad is also tuning in from Soronko this morning. So, Fantastic. And, uh, yeah. Great stuff. So, Lydia, where does it all begin? Where does it all begin? Tell us about your story, yourself, and how we get to Mome again. Um, well, the, the beginning, there are so many layers to it, but um, I'll start with one thing. 1999 Christmas Eve, I just finished my olive um, uh, uh, exams, and then there is this headline in the newspaper saying, this list of girls who were abducted by the Konya rebels are believed to be permanently missing or will never be found. And my friend's name was on that list. And I remember saying, God, if you're really there and you have a plan for Paul in this life, you will save Susan. I don't know why... Because uh, we had been together in primary school, and then uh, when we went to senior one, she was abducted uh, from Aboke, and she ended up spending eight years in captivity. So now, fast forward to 2010, I had just finished my MBA, and then I see this headline, the last Aboke girls have come home. And so my plan was find these girls and find out how did Susan live, how did she die, like, and then do something in her honor. So as I'm thinking, you know, you're starting to write emails to, I think it came out in the East Africa at that time. It was take, I was like, this is taking way too long. Let me, I'm like, go, like, Google her name yourself. First, I was scared of what I might find. 
And then I said, okay, I'm just going to Google it, and then we see what comes next. Uh, when I Googled her name, the first result was she was on Facebook. I'm like, it can't be. So I Googled all her three names, and indeed she was on Facebook. Wow. So I do an image search just to be sure. I'm like, madam, she's the one. So I reached out to her, we shared, she was now doing her A-levels exams, and I'm like, I'm glad we are back in each other's lives. I'm sure God is going to do something with it. Wow. I don't know what, but we have to do something together. So when I came home for my holiday in December, we sat and talked at length. They told her, like, right now we are trying to do something around agriculture. We want to grow trees, medicinal trees. Maybe if you study agriculture, you can help us run the project. Uh, so she enrolled for um, agriculture at uh, UCU Mukono. We supported her through it. And then when she finished, she was like, so what's next? I'm like, well, we are still fundraising. Things are not looking up. They will want them too. But I'm sure something will come up. So we are in prayer. Then somehow through my work, because like, um, I used to volunteer, I would help out like, with Ugandans coming to Germany for business. I once translated for, for a delegation from UIA at one of the biggest SME conferences in Germany. And so this gentleman comes looking for Moringa and he's like, I've been told Uganda has the best Moringa. I'm like, that ship sailed. <laughs> like, <laughs> Indeed, but, there was a Moringa craze at Yeah, I'm like, point. that ship sailed, but if I find out anything, I'll get back to you. So a year later, I find somebody doing Moringa, and I'm like, I think there's a customer for you, so we go do this meeting. And uh, he's like, he takes a test and he's like, this is so good, he's like, hang on a minute. He's like, he tells the wife, you have to come to this meeting. She takes a test, she's like, this is so good, hang on. She, phone calls start. You people, we have found something good. He's like, well, so what else do you have? It's like, yeah, we also have this, and so we had shea butter. So when she said shea butter, I'm like... Hmm. The shea butter I knew in Uganda was you not know, the traditional way of making it a hot press. It, was, it had a very strong smell. It's mm. like ghee. You either love it or you hate it. Mm. So she's like, no, there's a better way to do it, the cold pressed one. And it's good for cosmetics. So he's like, okay. I didn't know Uganda had shea butter. I'm like, yeah, we do have the shea trees because it's more West African shea butter, which is known. So he's like, I have a friend who does cosmetics. I need to introduce her to, to this shea butter as well from Uganda. Okay. So she tried it and said, like, this is, this is the best shea butter I've ever met. Like, the other one is hard, it's waxy, this is so easy to use, don't have to deodorize it, nothing. I was like, oh, this is amazing. So I, I'm like, so like, hey, I found this lady, and, and she's talk, talking about, about you now. No, I, I now call Susan. I'm like, I've seen a lady okay. who is doing shea butter. And let me, we can work with her to really see how we can increase impact in the community because... Um, she spoke about working with people who had come from the IDP camps yes. and trying to create more value out of it. What year are we talking about? This is uh, 2016. Okay. 2016 now. But then somehow we just failed to really connect. Realized there are some gaps here and there. Things are just not adding up. And then she was also delivering uh, an impure product to customers. And I said, you can't be doing it. Like, you can't do this because, you know, the challenge we have in Africa is we get our foot in the door sometimes, mm -hmm. then things fall apart. Like people like, we are Kagwira what deals, eh? make one big time deal and then disappear. Like I've gotten my money, good luck to you. So there's a need for consistency. There's a need for consistency, there's a need for quality, there's a need for integrity. And so someone is like, you know what, actually, I also come from Lira we can easily find space because like shea butter is, is really being rediscovered now. Maybe we can do something about it. So we begin engaging, start trying to find, are there other suppliers we can work with? 
you know, because I was like, I think I want to stay in Germany and just be looking for markets, like, because you know, you know visa. Yes, like, <laughs> You know, you get like a deal and then like, apply for your visa. Like, I want to travel next week. The available appointment is in a year's time. So Indeed. I'm like, guys, I'm here. We can send products and let's just make this work. Yes. Then you realize people are not forthcoming with information. It's difficult. And then I say, you know what? God, you didn't bring me to this for no good reason. There are all these bottlenecks. We have to solve them. And then you're like, solving these bottlenecks was a huge chunk of money to, to invest. Like, you need to be able to process yourself. Yes. What does that mean to process it at the highest level? So you, we make a bit of um, a, a draft budget, and we had about 200,000 euros. That time... When wow. the euro was still stronger than it, it was about about uh, eight hundred million shillings. They're like, wow, <laughs> like <laughs> big wow. Yeah, yeah, this there's going to be a problem there. But I said, well, I serve a living God, and the cut on a thousand hills are His. He will figure it out. So I'm like, okay, let's start. Like, what's the easiest thing to start? Like, we can find land. That should be easy enough. It took us two years to find land for the for the factory, because we went to different communities and would share. Like, this is this is our vision. Are you willing to host us to, to, to do this? And I'm like, oh, I... So you're into processing and, and value addition here as well? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so we, like, now, so we, now we, have, we have that number. And then we, one time we're sharing a, a, around the, the table, like, okay, this is the money we need for equipment to build a factory and the money to get us through the first year. So my mother-in-law goes like, here's my 50K. My sister is like, here's my 20K. Then my daughter goes like, she's like, can I talk to grandma? She's like, grandma, can I put my trust fund in the business? Wow, wow, wow. And um, she, she's like, yeah, that's okay. Like, just make sure. And of course, it's like, guys. How old is your daughter who's offering her trust fund? By then, she was eight years old. Fantastic. And you had been putting together a trust fund for her? No, her grandmother had been putting together a trust fund for her because she's done it for all her grandchildren. Fantastic. Mm. We talk about forward financial planning. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so now this is an eight-year-old girl sold to the vision and says, I want to speak to my grandmother to invest in this business. Yes. Interesting. Fantastic. Yeah. And then a couple of friends like, so we have that money. And I actually remember at that time... Uh, I'd been working part-time when she was younger. I got a full-time position. We managed to apply for some research grants, and we got a big one. And My income also jumped, so I was able to also do some saving towards it. So 2018, we have about half of what we need to start. So we're like, okay, Lydia, I think it's time for you to go to Uganda and start laying the groundwork for this. Fantastic. So you have all this money together. Susan is on board. What next? Yeah, what next? We come back home and then... Uh, like I so said, you had to relocate your family? Uh, no, the family stayed because we thought about it. Uh, like the, the education system is a bit different. And uh, my daughter is raised with her primary language as German. I was like, that was going to be a big uproot for her. But also because like, it was a bit of a risk moving from two incomes to no income and sinking all your savings yes. into one thing. Yes. So my husband like, he will stay in Germany, then I will be the one to commute. Oh, wow. So you, 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 that's the life you lead now? That's the life I live now. I spend about uh, uh, um, eight months of the year in Uganda and four months in Germany, but spread out. I'm usually wow. back home for the holidays. Oh, wow. 
a big thanks to your husband who yeah. is uh, helping you uh, get this done and a big sacrifice on your part. So what was the first place he started? What was um, the first district he started? How does it all get started? And how does it all get started? I had to get back my Ugandan passport because uh, <laughs> you, can't, <laughs> you can't own land as a non-Ugandan okay. and you also can't grow trees as a non-Ugandan. Interesting. You can't? No, you can't. It's against the laws of the, la- of the land. You learn something new every day, okay? Yeah. So Privileges the... of being a Ugandan, what are you doing with your nationality? <laughs> Yes, with your citizenship. Are you buying land? Are you planting trees? Exactly. <laughs> so I, um, that, that, uh, that happened. Like, I'd done the groundwork before. So June, July uh, 2018, I became Ugandan again. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I became Ugandan again, and then we were able to purchase, uh, purchase the land. Because, you know, when you... Where really, is this? Where did you purchase? The, the, the first land we purchased was in Otoke District. Okay. We bought uh, 10 acres of land. Okay. Yeah. And then also we have... Uh, and on that you placed the factory oh, yes. and started growing um, the shear trees? No, not, we're not growing the shear trees. The factory is placed in the heart of the shear belt. Okay. So we have the trees around because, you know, most of the shear trees we have in Uganda are wild trees. They were not planted by design. But uh, for me it was important because the, the, the kind of model we are promoting is we want to really encourage agroforestry. Yes. We need to plant right trees that will not be cut down. You know when you plant uh, like timber trees, you're going to have to cut down or like uh, eucalyptus for electric poles, they'll be cut down. But perennial crops for fruits, they give you value by you harvesting the fruits every year. Indeed. So, but you, we had to model something around it. So like for us, Shia was an entry into working with the community. And then we're like, we're going to look at what else we can, uh, we can work with to, to, to create value. So at, uh, in, in, in part of our model, we tend to have what we call a person of peace who leads us into our community. I would like to take it that Susan was your person of peace. Yes. Okay, fantastic. So it starts with how many farmers? And this was... Uh, we, we started with uh, 105 families in Otoke district. You know, 105 families? Yes. Where I say families, you know, shear trees are collected on family and communal land. Okay. So that usually the women and the children will gather those nuts, and then when they're dry, the mothers will usually bring them for sale. And this was in 20? This was in 2019. Okay. Yes. On the cusp of yes. COVID. Just before COVID hit, so we bought, we bought, actually we bought the nuts while the factory was being constructed. Yes. Because we're like, let's just go out and get a feel of what the market conditions are like. And uh, we saw things we didn't, we were not happy with. Eh? You know, we had a middleman who would bully the people, you had inaccurate scales. There are so many things, we were like, no, like, we're going to have to do things differently. Sort of like, you know, number one, if you bring the nuts to the factory, you will get a premium. If we collect we give you the going rate because we have to transport them to, our, yes. to where we are. And like, we buy them when they're still wet. We pay the price for the full like, dry nuts. Yes. So we're able to dry them ourselves uh, So what fully. do you prefer, dry or wet? No, dry is good, but I think is, you know, it takes a long time to dry shear nuts fully. You need about um, three months. And usually they fall during the rainy season. So you've so, employed technology to quicken that process? Not yet. So far we are relying on the sun. So what we do when, when we are buying nuts, we have a lot of uh, casual workers who help us to just keep on drying. We have people whose work because we have a moisture meter. Okay. They keep checking the moisture content of the nuts. And then once it's uh, above 12%, they go back into the and sun. And that helps assure your quality. Yes. And you're yes. in control of uh, a lot of the, uh, yes. uh, the quality. 
So mm. you start with 105 families. This is in 2019. Yes. How do you convince them? And it is through price. You're giving them, you're giving them a good deal. So this is a profit venture yes never started as a charity no not at all and i think is you know one of the things also like did because i was like how are we going to be different yes. in this share sector so there are all these projects that had come and um, wound up over the years but the product was still available on the market then you would see like ugandan shea butter that's the rare butter that is the queen of butters but it's not available and when it's available, the quality really fluctuates. So, like, what do we do different? I was like, you know, most of the things, you know, when something is donor-funded, you don't know whether at whatever price you've set your product, if it's profitable or not, because your payroll is being um, subsidized, you have these vehicles you're using, like, you know, they give you all these four-by-fours to use. So you don't know whether your business makes sense at all. But I was like, so if we do this as a for-profit, but with impact... Yes. Our numbers will the have to make sense being, to us. The impact being, we work with these communities. And also, like I said, because we are going beyond shear, we've begun doing moringa seed, for instance. We have moringa seed oil. Which one is the seed? Um, if, 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 if the cameras could zoom into the product right here, it would be interesting. So, um, these are the shear nuts. Okay. For your description, they're hard and crusty. Uh huh. That's uh, like. And, that. and, and so, how do you extract the oil out of this? Um, so, uh, so that's the nut. Then, like without the without the crack around it, that we then run through a cold press machine. Okay, so this is what comes in its wet form. Then you dry it to yes. this level of what I'm seeing. This yes. dryness. Yes. Okay. Out in the sun. Yes. Then you crack the shell and get this nut. Yes. And this is where you take it into the hard press to extract the oil. Exactly. The shea butter oil. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. And who are, the, who are your customers for this shea butter oil? Uh, shea oil, the focus we have are, are companies who are using shea butter as a raw material to make products. Aha, uh -huh. so you're not, your product is not specifically for the end user. It is a raw material. It is a raw material because they, they were able to produce in bulk. Yes. And where are your customers? Uh, our customers are in Uganda. We have a number of Ugandan brands who are using our shea butter. Uh, we also have customers in Kenya, then also in Europe and uh, UK. Actually, uh, shout out to Juliana Okode Okodowa of uh, Worship Harvest uh, UK. Yay! She was one of our first bulk clients in the UK who is repackaging our shea butter as Joros Organics. Lovely. Lovely. Fantastic. Mm. Okay. And then what is all this? Uh, those are moringa seeds. Okay, now moringa, moringa takes one year to start uh, fruiting. It matures in about three years, because you see the challenge of shear tree. The shear tree is endangered. It's being cut down a lot because it makes good charcoal. Oh dear! And it takes twenty years to start fruiting again when you plant it from seed. Twenty years. Twenty. Oh yes. my goodness! So they are. A very valuable, close to endangered species. They are an endangered species, but so you know, when you tell somebody you excite people about it, and they're like, 20 years? Who is waiting 20 years to, yes, to earn? Indeed, indeed. So, but so, but by having a family of trees, we can grow. You're like, okay, Moringa will start giving me money in one year, uh, the desert debt will start giving me money in three years. Then you like, now we're looking also like, looking at, like can, can you imagine there's something called mango butter? From the seed of the mango, really? you can make butter out of it. That's is something we're That's not it. But next year we'll have mango butter because um, it's ready available there. Guys, don't throw away your mango seeds. You can do something with it. But I'm seeing you have moringa seed oil. This looks like a finished product for the that retail. That is a finished market. product. No, no. So what happened is we began working in March 2020. Wow. 
Yes. Third, they locked us down. Before they locked, remember third March I was like, "Yay, let's do this. I just moved now to Otoke fully." Oh Two God. weeks later, the world shut down. Shut down. And how did, yeah, how did you go through that period? Um, that period I was just like, "Okay, like God, what's this about, you know?" Indeed. <laughs> We can't come to this point and then this is it. Um, so got through it through with a lot of prayer. And a lot of studying, because what we now did, because we went into the lockdown with just sheer butter, what we were producing, but when we came out of the lockdown last year, we had three oils we were now producing. We just stayed, we did research, and then also we began to sell, like we had to start doing retail, like within, on the Ugandan market, because we're like, we're not, until the export markets open up again, because trade fairs, I think trade fairs have resumed being held uh, physically this year. Yes. Yes, so you had a store there? Yeah? You had a store? Yes, uh like uh, I attended the Biofach in Germany earlier this year in July with the support of GIZ. So we were able to meet with potential buyers and look at the conditions for the meeting international um market requirements. But then also now this recently completed Uma, we were there. We had a good engagement. We managed to also get clients from like um Tanzania Because people were wondering, like, hey, God, the share that we've been getting from Uganda looks different from what you have. They're wow. like, well... Quality. 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 That's, that's really is, good. Um, I'm going to hand over to Pastor Chris in a bit, but I just wanted to understand, or for our viewers, I actually know what it is, but uh, Momigen, yes. what does it mean? Momigen means oils of hope. Ah, nice, nice. Mm. So, guys, when you're out there looking for Moringa seed oil or shea butter, please look out. But now, is this one... Is this one of your, your, the people, is it their product or this is yours? Because now this looks like a retail product that we can this buy. This is our, like, no, um, earlier this year, I went to the Dubai Expo with the support of Ministry of ICT. Nice. And so they said, you have to make our shea butter look good. Nice. So we... So this one is Nilotica. Nilotica, that's the Ugandan shea butter. It's Nilotica shea butter. Nice. Mm. Uh, there's a segment, I believe, Pastor Chris, you were, in, you were, you were asking uh, the business leaders to know what's available, which associations to get... Uh, into and as you can see she is taking advantage of the various opportunities so people we took some time to introduce you to URA, UNBS, URSB and many other entities please look them up there are many opportunities for you to take advantage of but uh, Pastor Chris please thank you Mona uh, thank you Lydia I like your story I like your story so much mm. uh, Philippians 2.4 says, let each of you look out, not for your own interest, but yeah, also for interest for others. others yes. And that's the theme of what we are really trying to do here at Business mm. Garage, to ask business people, mm. who are you looking out for? Yes. Yeah? Uh, so we decided to look at some social entrepreneurs out there, and you're one of the ones who was recommended. Your story is powerful, and I know you're going to tell us a lot more. Mm. You get out of your way, you leave Germany, you come here, Your heart was out for others. First, Susan. Was it Susan? Yes, Susan, yes. my friend. Yeah. And then so many other people that uh, have been impacted by your decision to come. Mm. You come, you choose a product, you start a business, and now you're scaling it to sell products locally and out of Uganda. You're manufacturing. Mm. So your story is beautiful because it's purely about others. You went out and sought the lost. Now, I want to tell us some stories because... To some business people there, it looks like, okay, it's a normal business. Mm -hmm. And I know every business person, in their heart, they look out for others. They're either focusing on their clients, but all their staff. But mm -hmm. yours is unique because your primary 
uh, source of inspiration is to support other people, get them out of poverty, mm. improve their lives, and uh, change their life story. Give them a chance at life. Tell us some stories about the others. Who, who are those farmers? How many are they? Because people are wondering, do you have a farm? We know share butter. There are no farms for the trees. But what, what are you doing? What are those, who are those people out there that your others, who are they? How many are they? Well, our core others is the village where the factory is located in Aminachak in Otohe district. Um, we have now 160 families. And uh, when we started, we had 105 families. These uh, new families came during COVID because uh, one of the things we've learned which is concerning is that we have a lot of, let's say, child marriages where children are marrying children. Like uh, teenagers have no business getting married, but uh, a lot, this school closure really impacted the community very negatively. We have a lot of very young families which have been uh, formed now. And then also, but we work with people in about 11 districts around the country. 11 districts? Yes. Wow. They supply you products. Wow. They supply us products. Started, it started with Otuke? Otuke. We began and with Otuke. Okay. 11 districts? Yes. Wow. Yes. Because we have, uh, we have uh, our main uh, Moringa supply comes from Kasese. And then uh, we also work with farmers in West Nile, in Ajumani, in Yumbe, and Arua. And then we have Lamo, we have uh, Aleptong, Pade, Agago, Abim, that we are also getting uh, materials from and Kitkum as well. And we celebrate Lydia, really. Because creating that impact, now we are here to, see, to hear the number of farmers, mm. but just giving a chance at life to those farmers and giving them a product. Because one, most of the things that, most of the products that they farm, most of the times, in the past, they were taken and exported. Here you're adding value and probably giving them a lot more. Yes. So we celebrate you for that. Thank now you. Now tell us the number of farmers because that's another big story. Um, the farmers, like, you know, the thing is we haven't really, like, you know, when we got into, like, we try to understand what has happened before because, I mean, there have been so many projects that have come and failed. Eh? So people are like, you know, people would come here, they count you, they document you, and then they never come back. So we said, okay, this is what we're going to do. First, let's get the sheer nuts. Then, with time, because I'm like, we need to have this information to support our business model. Once you trust us, you will volunteer this information for us. So now we have documented about 3,000 farmers we are working with in the different 3, communities. 3,000 farmers. Wow. From 105 Impact. families. To, yes. And, and this is something that started in 2020. Yes. Wow. Two years later, 3,000 yes. families. Mm. All right. So the other thing, uh, I, I know in worship harvest, uh, we have what we call missional communities mm. and they have missional community leaders and all those leaders have a passion for people they have a passion for others they either go to evangelism mm. or they start frontiers and I see you as a frontier mm. so how, tell us about the business model because we, so most times we want to go out and support others but we go with a hand, a handout so tell us about the business model how do we turn our businesses into our, our passions for others into profitable businesses without giving handouts because you know handouts actually take us back. Now, the thing is uh, we have to understand that, you know, God made each of one of us unique and with value to bring to the world. And it's not because somebody has gone to school or, you know, but that life experience, that traditional knowledge has value. So one of the things we were looking at, like one of the things that really drives me, like we need to plant trees. This country has, is down to 8% forest cover since 1990. So that's why we have this extreme... 
24% from 24% in 1990. So 24% to 8%. We have lost so much tree cover in Uganda and it's, wow. we're losing it at, a, at an alarming rate. So like, we need to plant trees, but what trees are you going to plant? So like, so like we need to, to plant trees that will stay. Yes. And so first of all, I was like, the first thing we did is like, we're looking at like, we're looking at trees for cosmetics around production of oils. So yes. we have the shea butter, we want to do mango butter. Then there are also other traditional crops people have in the north, like, you know, malakwang, or the one they use, like, you've seen this hibiscus juice and wine. Yes. The seeds also have a very exciting oil for, for the skin. It's uh, comparable with things like rosehip oil, which is full of antioxidants, a super anti-aging oil. Wow. So I'm sure when I called you, so Pastor now there's Mona... That, there's the mango seed... Yes. Lots of stuff that we're... Yeah, so people have... But people have this and so far they haven't been used. So I'm like, what we do... Like, all we did was like, hey, this thing has value. How can we work with it? And then you ask... Because people are like, ah, it's that old man who will know where to find that thing. Mm. So we, we have, you know, because they say all the elders are the living libraries of history past. Because a 90-year-old knows people who lived over 100 years ago when he was a young boy. Yes. So there's information they're able to give you. So what we have done is uh, we, we now like first we began with the, with the cosmetic like the cosmetic oil plants, but now we're also looking at medicinal trees that have value because one of the other things we do uh, with our company is we are developing organic fungicides from Ugandan medicinal plants, and so people are starting to like to, we've now we've we've put a mother garden in Pakwach about a hundred acres, and now we are starting to get people to to become outgrowers for medicinal crops. Because, you know, usually people just go harvest in the wild, but we can't be harvesting. Harvesting from the wild is not a sustainable business. Yes. We have to domesticate all these plants. So, so we get now, we get all these community people, and they're like, we're like, now help us raise seed. Help us do the nurseries for your community. People can come to you as a resource person for all these different uh, plants they have in their community. Like, if it has value, we will be able to we'll find it because uh, we are supported by a team of researchers in Uganda and Germany to really see if, they, if something is claimed to work, we go to the lab and see, does it work? And if it works, is there a market for it? Then like for, like for, the, for the, more, the medicinal applications, we then find other partners who help us to now reach the last mile so that it's a big co-development for, for this product so that at least... Uh, it's, you know, it's something that, that has, because the thing is, you know, what I, like, you know, like, remember, we spoke about the Moringa craze that came, eh? Yes. So I said, I will never be responsible for a craze in Uganda. Whatever I speak about is something that is proven, that has market, we have contracts, you, yes. so you're not it's promising. Sustainable. It's sustainable. You know where you're taking people, because no people get excited. Our people are farmers. 80% of Ugandans are still farmers. Yes. But we need to get them to grow crops that will give them a meaningful income yes. that are a bit independent of uh, market fluctuations, because we've seen what happens with like beans and uh, maize. Yes. But medicinal trees or trees that, things that give us cosmetic oils, they tend to go more on the higher side in value than like the regular food crops and no, cash crops right, I used to. Yes. Which have their place for food security. But what I like about your story is you start with what they have. Show yes. me what's in your hand and, mm. and, and let's start there. Another thing or another lesson I'm seeing from your story is partnerships. Partnerships with the families, partnerships with um, scientists who help you test these products, partnerships with... The, the markets, local and otherwise. Mm. I, quite like, I quite like that story very much. Now, 
As you're aware, you can send your questions and comments uh, for Lydia, and we have a couple of questions here that I'd like to ask you. We have Bernard Lipso, who's asking, how have you been able to stay afloat in the market considering cutthroat competition in our Ugandan market? How, you, how are you differentiating uh, yourself, and how have you made your brand known? Nilotica Shea Butter, uh, Momijen Moringa Oil, and what's the one for... Um, this are, yes, this is Nilotica. Well, and that's yes. the Moringa Oil. Yes, indeed. How have you gotten them known, and how have you dealt with competition? Um, I think is. Uh this market is still very raw and virgin. It's a huge, it's a huge untapped market. Because okay. Uganda still imports a lot of the cosmetics that we use. So we're trying to really grow this whole buy Uganda, build Uganda movement. Yes. So there's still people who don't even yet know that this thing exists. So even like a lot of the brands that are out there, people don't know them. So there's still space. But uh, for us, like I said, because we, we are a primary producer, we are targeting more. Because like many of the companies we see on the shelves all just buy share butter and add value to it. So those for us are customers to reach more people. Yes. And um, then also the thing is, it's, it's the quality. Like we have our share butter and moringa seed oil analyzed. We take uh, samples to ISO labs. Like you can get it, try it, and then give us that feedback. And so quality has really been what has helped us. But then also the impact story. You know, when people get to see, I mean, if you've seen our factory, I mean, like, you're in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, but, like, that's where we needed to be to understand the complexities around this supply chain. Yes. So that we're able to respond in real time. We communicate. Uh, we, we do a lot of transparency with our customers. Like, uh, we have a QR code on the product which allows you to see how it is made, which most people are not, are not doing with their products. Tracing. People we have like traceability. Trace traceability. Yeah, people are able to trace um, and what we do because we, we're not the cheapest butter in the market. It's a premium product. I love that. So you're differentiating by quality. By quality. By, you know, yeah, um, yeah. And, and people are really responding to it. Fantastic. Mm. Then from Dr. Stephen Mugabe, we have what skills have you acquired to overcome uh, specific hurdles or any hurdles that you have met along the way? But... What, what, what do you think you went out looking for? Knowledge and skills. Um, and where did you find them? Well, the first, the first time like, this dream came back to do something in Uganda, like my first degree was development studies. I got an MBA just to be I'm like, I need to be to understand how business actually works. Fantastic. And then, uh, but now when I came back to Uganda, I did a couple of programs. I did uh, the Sinapis uh, Entrepreneur Academy because I wanted to understand how to build a kingdom business. Because... Um, if you're looking at how you treat God's people, it's, it's going to be different. Then one of the things I've really had to work at is marketing and sales. Because yes. um, I like to be in the background. <laughs> but now you have to learn to, to reach out to customers, learn how to package what you do so that they're able to, yeah, to respond to it. Like how do you reach out? For instance, like the communication you do with a business customer is different from an end user for, for, uh, that you, you, you have to work with. Or like mothers, what do mothers need to know? Even fathers. Fathers are a big decision makers in their homes sometimes. And how do you reach them? Yes. Those are things I've had to, to learn along the way. I'm part of the Business Leaders Network of Worship Harvest, so we have those Yay. nuggets every morning. And there's a lot of learning there. How do you build systems? There's deep dives in different things. So, like, that's how I've managed to improve who I am as a leader. Okay. And then from Juliana Kayagaseremba, 
how did you prepare and how did you prepare to position your product so quickly for export quality? Um, it's usually easier to, to manage uh, for Uganda, but how did you prepare yourself uh, for export quality? She was also asking about funding, but Juliana, that was answered. It's uh, savings uh, from friends, family, and sometimes people like to say from fools. Um, so, so largely for her. Mm. How did you position your product to, to, to fit in the export? Well, I'd lived in Germany for 12 years before coming back. And so before actually like the year, once I knew this is what we're going to do, I began to reach out to, excuse me, I began to reach out to brands okay. and see like what is your brand criteria? What do you need? They're like, well, the processing has to be done a certain way. Documentation is important. Uh, so, like, we invested in stainless steel machines. We okay. bought them from Germany because, like, that one, it's been one of our biggest differentiators because uh, most of the processing machines here are not pure stainless steel. And also because of the way the shea butter is traditionally processed, uh, there's a bit of water involved, okay. and that always affects the final quality or, or, like, the shelf life. But because for us, we don't have water once we start making the butter, we end up having something that has a shelf life of three years as opposed to 18 months with uh, more common uh, butters on the market. But also to understand uh, those things, and also because uh, why we also looked at export, those are people who are able to pay a premium price. Because like, at the scale we are going at, we need to be able to be able to get it, we need to be able to sell in bulk, because uh, like somebody will order minimum a ton mm -hmm. at a time. Yeah. And that helps you ease cash flows, because you know, money from banks in Uganda can really break you yeah yeah but because uh, international buyers will, they will finance you actually because like hey i need share butter in this time here's 50 percent once you have everything ready for shipping i'll pay the balance fantastic you've mm. answered uh, a couple of questions about the fundraising um, yes. so indeed they're, they're good uh, financing mechanisms but you also took advantage of the connections you had yes. in germany so people broaden your connections, travel the world, make friends, have roots in places beyond just your community and country. Rosalie uh, Olunyolio wants to know how you train and bring on board your staff, your farmers, and processing employees, basically your human resource component. Yes, yes. Uh, human resource. Uh, Susan and I have enrolled in similar programs for management training. Okay. And then with our staff, like, of course, like, I went to Germany to do the training on the machines on how to run the butter. And then I came and trained uh, my staff who work in four languages in Otuke. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the people who built the machines don't speak a word of English. They speak German. Then uh, people who run the machines only speak Luo. And, uh, yeah, so Interesting. We, we, we find our happy medium there. Fantastic. Mm. And then somebody here, uh, Ariho Kamara, mm. how are you dealing with the large cosmetic cartels that have been accused of frustrating local value addition and keeping farmers poor? Um, the thing is, you know, we do things differently. Like, and I know like how when, when we went to the community and said we don't trust the scale, we are going to count share by the cup. We're like, okay, let's count cups. Ah. So eventually, so if you had to gain their trust. We had to gain their trust. And so now what happened? Actually, like the subsequent buying seasons, people are like, but Momegan treats us better. But Momegan does this. If you won't nice. do that, we'll go to Momegan. We've nice. become a bargaining chip for them to get better prices and conditions from uh, the middlemen and also other people in the industry because actually now the share prices 
have steadily gone up since we started getting into it. So it's a, it's a, it's a trust game. It's a trust game, but also showing people that actually people can treat you better and you can demand it. So we are the bargaining chip for people to... Actually, we've seen like people stepped up this year. People gave people tarpaulins to dry the sheer nuts on. They said we'll, we'll also just come and collect. You know, because they used to put so much burden on the, of the quality on the farmers and not want to reward that with the price. I'm like, so people like, if you bring for us fully dried nuts, we'll pay you more than when we buy the wet nuts. So there is that motivation. Like, well, like, you have to understand that these farmers are the custodians of our quality. So if you treat them poorly, you'll have a poor product. Indeed. If you treat them better, then they know, people now know what they sell to us. Like, ah, like, this time someone, like, actually, like, this time we bought, this year, all the nuts were good. We, don't have, we didn't have to sort anything wow. because people have understood what it takes to get a good price for shear. So you've edged out what would be competition or your differentiation is by having um, meaningful, trusting relationships with your suppliers yes. who are the farmers. Mm. And then Barbara Initwe is asking if it's possible to partner with small businesses in Kampala or those looking to enter the business area but cannot reach the local farmers because you, you you're, you're like a wholesale supplier yes is that possible for, for yes for... that is possible because actually our biggest customers for the year have been startup brands who are doing cosmetics because one of the things i also do because i love mentoring so especially for getting into the business like i'm able to teach them uh, the basics of formulation help them like leverage our networks like hey this is the person you call at uh, unbs for this thing go to yuri like take people through the ropes of being able to start their own businesses because i'm like as they grow actually one of uh, my uh, f- first customers for the share butter in bulk in uganda is my banker at uh, <laughs> housing finance because wow. when i went into speech like ah Tell me more, how did this start? Like, how do I even begin? So I said, hey, you know, we have a small bucket. You don't have to buy the, first, the big bucket first. Mm. Take the small bucket, see how it works. Then she's like, oh, I realize this. I did this. I'm like, no, if you do the share butter when it's too hot, it will become grainy. Temper it down to this. What else do I need? How do I get this? So, so like, support them to grow their businesses. Like, that one is something I'm open for. Like, not just, even if you don't, like, we sell share butter, but also give advisory, especially for startups, because then they become loyal customers and they pay a bit more because they see you have taken time to understand what you're selling to them. Fantastic. So there's a lot to go around. You're working with uh, competition, potential competition, and yes. helping people uh, mm. better their trade. Over to you, Pastor Chris, and you can wrap up the segment. Oh, really? Well. Okay. So, uh, Lydia, thanks a lot uh, for sharing your story again. Mm-hmm. What I pick out from your story is that You've not segmented your life. Uh, you know, the struggle business people face is mm. having a business life and your faith life. Yeah? And sometimes your family. So you treat, or even your social life. You can treat all those segments differently mm. by you've embedded everything in one. And that's, I think that's the, one of the lessons I'm la- I've seen in your story, that your, your life is one. Yes. Your business, your social life, your faith, it's all embedded in there. And I think it's a call for us business people to, to, to learn from you. Uh, the other thing I've, I picked out is why you're, you're, you're really passionate about other people is that you went, your main goal was shear butter, but then you found a problem that they cannot sustain their lives beyond the shear butter. Yes. And you've added more value mm-hmm. to them in supporting them in starting other products like Moringa and, uh, and other products. Yes. So just tell us how that story, how has it, just briefly before we close, mm-hmm. How has that impacted their life? Uh, because 
Share butter is one thing. And then everything around it to support them on a daily basis. Because I know that sometimes they divert. When you have projects like that, people fo- go off and do something else simply because there's not enough uh, uh, money coming out of one product. Mm. How has that been generally impacting their lives as a farmer, the wholeness of their lives, knowing them, supporting their lives, mentoring them? I know some have got to know Christ. So just tell us the real meat in the whole story. Um, now, I think, uh, you know, Jesus was uh, like, uh, there's one of those stories where he would ask, when, when, were, when were you hungry and we didn't feed you? Like, where were you? Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, like, every time you helped the poor, every time you reached out, you were touching me. And so some of the things we, we saw, like um, we have a big challenge with menstrual health in the community. So we reached out actually, like first reached out to one of the girls. Uh, she, was, um, she was a bit, she has a, um, she has mental disability, let me put it that way. And so we noticed that and then we reached out. But and something we did quietly with, like, in the evening, like people shouldn't know. But it spread out and people said, we had heard about these things, like these reusable pads. And then the men were like, can you bring and we buy for our wives? And so we do, we, we, we stock a bit of these things for people to be able to buy, like things which can improve their lives, uh, like solar lanterns to, to use in their homes. Those little things uh, we can do. But also for me, it's important that farming is meaningful to people. And so by introducing these things, or like things they know, like most of us, they've been selling like hibiscus and malakwang. Like, okay, now the seeds now also have value. Mm-hmm. So they know, okay, without me putting more effort in my farming, I'm able to have more things I can sell. And that is what I find exciting because we shouldn't complicate people's lives and say, you know, but like, that's what you have. We're adding value to it. Whatever you thought didn't have anything to it is now... It's, it's, it now has something we can do with it because um, I think for me that's what matters the most. And then, then you, when you fed somebody, then you can start to talk, talk about God and where this is going. You're like, okay, so now let's get deeper into it. Like, let's disciple you so that when you also reach out to your fellow farmers, they will see there's something different about how you do it. Like, let's make that gospel practical so that it's not just uh, throwing Bible verses at people, but like just throwing them how Jesus would have lived. He related to people, the woman at the well, he spoke to her at her level, and then she went and called everybody else. So that is what we're doing, getting our people to go and call other people to see that we can do things differently, we can be people of integrity, Brilliant. and just build up the kind of Uganda that we want to see where we are all proud of what we do as a country. Wow, let's wow. celebrate Lydia. Thank you so much, Lydia. Lydia's story is powerful because it finds people who need, you know, salvation is in three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Mm. Uh, and as much as your spirit gets saved, you have the journey to walk in your soul and in your body. And you find people who need practical things. Yeah. They need change in their lives, but then you walk them a journey to receive Christ. And that's very powerful. So thank you so much. Yeah. And I would like to take this opportunity for anyone out there. Uh, if you've not yet known Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have an opportunity now. Yeah. You've heard Lydia's story. Everything that she does is purely because God has given her the power to do whatever she, uh, she's doing. If you're a business person, it's God who gives the power to get wealth. So we have a source of our power, and it is not you. It is God, and he wants to start a relationship with you. So if you're out there and you've not given God the chance to give your life to Christ, I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity 
that you've given me this morning to confess that you are my Lord and Savior. And I want to declare today that you are my Lord and Savior. Take my life and do something significant with it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And if you just say that prayer, your life has changed. You are now born again. Your journey of salvation starts now. And if you're that person, there's a number on the screen, uh, 0775-642-449. If you're out of the country, if you're out of Uganda, it's plus 256-775-642-449. There's someone at the end of that line who will tell you what just happened to you, but most of all, create a space for you where you can start walking a journey uh, to know exactly what God wants to do with you. So thank you very much, friends, for joining us this morning for Business Garage. See you again next Sunday, and I'll hand over to Mona. Thank you all very much. We start our main business garage at 9 o'clock. Please make it to your locations, hosting centers, and if you're out of the country or can't make it for one reason or the other, join us in line at 9 o'clock. See you then. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.